0: Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Pack Unleashed. We got a good one haven't we guys? Uh, I am with my co-host Matt. And Dominic, say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the value of design. So, design! yeah, it's so valuable right now. Um, so guys, when I say design, are we talking about the coloring in bit of something? I hope so. That's my favourite bit. That's my my definition, right? (laughs) Yeah, we just colour stuff in, yeah? Okay, cool. I guess that's done then. (laughs) Perfect. Tune in next (laughs) week. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for a great podcast. Uh, You may have been able to decipher that there was a hint of sarcasm within that last (laughs) 30 seconds. Uh, That is because no, design is not the colouring in bit. But that's cool um, because... It's Not everybody knows that. So we're going to talk uh, a yeah. little bit about... Um, I can understand why people do think it's like that. But Historically, yeah, that's that's how it's been perceived within organisations. It's the bit where everything's been worked out and you know what you're making or building or whatever. And then it's time to apply the design layer. Mm. You see, that's commas- where it
1: goes wrong. That's the thing. It's, it's where people think they're ready to go into giving it a little bit of colour giving it a little bit of colour actually that's often where things go wrong exactly so we're talking
0: about design in the wider sense of design oh thank god Oh yeah, we've moved on, Matt was getting scared.
2: (laughs) Thank God, I thought it was going to be another one of those circle jerk design podcasts
0: all over again. Let's talk about new Photoshop, (laughs) filters. No, we're going to talk about the the wider sense of design, why it matters, what it means to run a design-led business, and how in the hell can you sell design into your business if you know it's important. So that is what we're going to be talking about. If you do not want to miss that stick around all right <laughs> so uh, says um, arnie um, himself <laughs> yeah. definitely
1: oh now. I'm, glad Mark, he's, I'm glad he's there. also in the room we didn't even introduce him <laughs> <laughs> sorry arnie
0: <laughs> design calling so um, john
2: what mm. do you guys think it means to be a design led company because i think um, there's a lot of press about that kind of thing now and mm. i think um
0: It's interesting to find out what people's different definitions are. It is, yeah. I mean, you've got popularized kind of design terms, um, you know, coined by, um, you know, people like IDEO and and the kind of D school and and stuff like design sprints that are taking the kind of strategic side of design commercially led. And you've got companies like Apple and Airbnb, um, to name a few, who who are kind of uh, adopting this kind of design led approach. But what does it mean to be design-led? Well, Matthew, let me answer that question for you this very moment. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the biggest walk around the garden yeah. ever.
1: Someone so gave a lead. What does, it,
0: what, what does it mean to be a design-led business? It means this. It means that you are putting your users at the center of the business. You're putting your customers at the center of the business. And you are designing and building solutions collaboratively to come up with solutions that are customer-focused. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Surely every business should be like that. Every business should be like that. Is every business like that, Dominic? No. No. That's a resounding no from the board. <laughs> so why isn't every business like that? Yeah, for, for, for me, I think, I think it,
2: look, realistically, a lot of businesses don't start up necessarily thinking they're going to get to where they're going a lot of the times you know there'll be an individual inventor that will come up with a product that kind of is, is set to change the world and then all of a sudden there's big investment the company scales maybe they sell a lot of the product and you know i've known small businesses that have like a single bit of ip that have suddenly turned over a million pounds in a couple of years and they've never thought about the design of their business or the way that they talk to customers or even they they filled a very specific need. And I think that takes you to a certain level. But then when you want to turn that into something that scales up and becomes a business that lasts, that you have to start thinking about how you design your business around your customers and the users.
1: Yeah, I suppose there's like a level of maturity that comes, isn't there, with a product um, from when you first conceive it to where it ultimately ends up.
0: Yeah. And also, you know, Like you said, companies don't always know where they're going. So therefore, they don't know what, you know, let's face it, like all companies, no matter how big or small you are, are kind of making it up as they go along. You've got, you're making decisions as you go along. Like there's no hard and fast rules. You can follow a framework. You can do this, that and the other. But usually in the first instance to build a company you have to you know build it up sell it get people in you know people change there's there's just all kinds of factors that can mean that you don't particularly put as much emphasis on the design side of things as you potentially should be so how can turning your business into a design led business transform things for you
1: well i think a lot of it comes down to uh really understanding in my mind um the real world value of what it is that you're trying to achieve. And that, like we've just said, comes from better understanding your users, um, better understanding your comp- competition, working better together, working in... There, there, there are better ways to, to work, I think, than a lot of people are currently doing. And in my mind, that's what we come and help do. I guess, you know, thinking about
0: design as a kind of weapon in your arsenal as a business does design give you you know a competitive advantage over businesses that don't lead with design absolutely i think you can have a really good business that doesn't lead
2: with design i think there's lots of businesses that make a lot of money that do really well and they don't have a design thinking approach or a user-centric approach they have a very good product it's a niche it does well yeah it's really good however if somebody then comes into their market that does really think about the user, understands how to communicate with them, understands how to pinpoint what type of jobs their users are trying to do, and how they can frame their products and services to really support and help empower and give them value, then that can give them a massive competitive advantage, which you see a lot of the time. And I think with some mm. of the design led companies or the companies that are talked about as being design led, they are the ones that have come in and disrupted an existing industry or a, 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 an old school kind of business that's been around for a long time yeah. you know like mm. uber uber for instance with london taxis right london taxis great they've had the medallions you know hackney carriages goes back hundreds of years into yeah. into into london um and then you know uber came along um and looked at What does somebody want when they're traveling within a city and they want to be able to grab a car straight away? They don't want to have to worry about cash Mm, and they want to know it's safe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it's interesting because design businesses usually work leaner, faster and just generally are able to pivot and disrupt on their offering and keep iterating on what they do. Based on customer needs, compared to some
1: of these less design-led businesses. It's a the, the, oh, sorry I, was
2: just gonna,
1: sorry. I was just sorry. I was just going to say though, just to reiterate your point, is just that it, I feel it is about. It's not just about using doing customer research because mm. everyone can kind of do that, and I think that's where there's the tendency for everyone yeah. to just kind of just do the same thing. But it's it's more about understanding what's missing and the real need mm. and and like putting being able to put yourself in that real world situation. And and fully understand it and and Mm -hmm. like find that gap. And that is where you're going to get the most like innovation from. So I've got I've got a quick example. Um,
2: Dom's example.
1: So this is a this is a prime example of that sort of thing. So you sort of said about Uber kind of being the one who they kind of spotted a a sort of an issue within the kind of transportation. Disruptor. And they kind of came in and they disrupted the way that people work. And there's this there's a product that came out or and it was meant to be. It was being touted as like the, the next biggest invention, um you know, uh, past the car sort of thing. It was like, it's meant to sort of like Uber did, like revolutionise the way people got around inner cities. Mm. And there was, they didn't announce specifically what it was. It was just meant to be this like amazing piece of technology. And they started building all of this hype and that loads of big brands were getting behind it and, and saying like really great things about it. Really smart people were also really supporting it, even though no one really fully knew what it was. So you can imagine, like, when it actually launched, people were, like, super excited to be there like they are mm. at, like, Apple event. Yeah. It launched in – it was basically invented by a guy called Dean Kamen back in 2001, and the product itself was, like we were talking about earlier, the Segway. Mm. The Segway. <laughs> <laughs> the new way to get around town. Yeah. And basically this was touted as being something, a, a, a new product that was basically going to be worth at least a kind of billion pound turnover a year. This is what the, like, the professionals were predicting selling, um, sort of 10,000, uh, units a week, which is a lot really considering it was a new, uh, a new thing to come out. And what they actually ended up selling was, 30,000 units, but not in a week over a six-year period. It was an utter fail, basically. And they they basically, they just sort of failed to fully understand. Like, they felt like they understood there was a need there, and there was, like a smarter way to get around. Well, I think the whole e-scooter thing is like completely
0: validated that there's a need for people to have some kind of motorised exactly but the benefit of know, that low
1: profile travel exactly. solution it's <laughs> totally true and, and the benefit of that is um, until people started dying um, <laughs> was that there was a need <laughs> there was a need I mean not, not to point out but the guy Jim Hendleton who was actually the owner of Segway died on a Segway wow. which yeah. is quite bad Now he, he rode it off a cliff right? yeah he rode it off it's quite, Dom says that's quite bad yeah it's very bad. I mean, and it doesn't it doesn't support the product particularly well. No. Um, or but, do him any good. But the other thing um, as well, like, so there was a lot of issues with that. The price point was too much. It was between six and $8,000 to purchase one. Jeez. And they didn't realise, th- think about, you know, to get around the inner city, what's wrong with a bike? It costs like a fraction of the price. Think about bikers, you can take it on a bus, you can take it on a train. Like, you can't take a Segway on a bus or on a train. Like, it's so heavy. And mm. uh, like, they got reduced basically to like, Tour, you know, taking people around, touring yeah, people around yeah. cities, not near cliffs, not uh, <laughs> uh, far away from cliffs. <laughs> away from cliffs. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so, so your point is that that company did not do enough. They weren't design-led enough. They didn't talk to their customers enough. They didn't mm,
1: they collaborate enough. Possibly. I think they understood that there was a need, but what they didn't do was was actually understand. Like, is this product going to sit in the real world? Yes, and if it's not. It's about the kind of reality of it. The sort of like the reality is like, oh, it'd be lovely if it did. But in in, rea- in actual reality, it wouldn't because mm. it didn't think about like... But I think that's the,
2: that's the echo chamber effect, isn't it, right? Inside like big companies, um, sometimes small companies, but a lot of the time big companies where... And for me, like design-led, like take designers out of it and take, you know, your hipster like dress, flat white sipping by sort of stereotype eh? I know I did (laughs) (laughs) so take take your stereotype of me out of the equation (laughs) yeah Yeah, so take that out of the equation and actually for me a design led business is is focusing purely on the users and to focus on the user you have to speak to them and you can't just ask them what they want because that's why focus groups are utter crap Yeah. because if you ask somebody what they want they tell you a load of stuff and probably won't use it right nobody knows what they want until they've got it I will not use the Henry Ford metaphor because it's so overused but it is that kind of thing it's if you ask somebody what they want but they don't understand that there's another way to kind of connect a solution then they can't tell you and for me a design-led company is and they do this internally and externally but it's about quickly trying stuff eliciting feedback be it internal or external and then using that as a data point to move forward and come up with solutions that kind of really fit fit a bill
1: yeah exactly yeah
2: and I'm guessing Segway probably didn't do that
1: mm. um, to a degree. Yeah, uh, no, they didn't. <laughs> Unfortunately for Segway.
2: So, obviously, we've all worked with lots of big companies and we've worked on lots of different types of products and services and different teams. Correct. What are mm. the perceived values that you've had? As, so, it's Matt's quiz time here, right? But Matt's it's quiz internal time. Time. Matt's quiz
0: time. Drop the quiz, be. What are John? Yes. The
2: perceptions, <laughs> the quizby.
0: What Quisby? What, John.
2: John, what yeah. are
0: the perceptions that you've
2: had of design that you've personally experienced inside
0: businesses? I think the perceptions of d- design that I've come across is very much it's like, like we mentioned at the very start, the the colouring in bit, so many occasions where that was you know, and <laughs> yeah. John can back me up here, you know, where it's just like is very much you're treated as a, as a tool you're just a, a a piece of kit you know who does that bit on the on the design and we obviously you know when when we've been working together um you know we've always been pushing to get more in on the action like speak to more users do that sort of stuff plenty of times we've we've had people so people using like oh just do a bit of that design magic on it it's just that that perception of design as like at the end of the process you know before it goes the build or whatever or whatever it is you know just do that design thing you know thank you very
1: much oh that looks good you know pass it off so um it's not i don't Tom, what about you totally agree i i think you know i've had many instances where i've been told very similar to, to john to just work my magic Um, and I think that comes though obviously it's about an it's an education thing I think it is that it's a stereotype in my mind of like what a designer is and what a designer does and um, I, I think from our perspective that's another reason why it's so important to actually educate people that design shouldn't be like pigeonholed into this specific thing that is actually much bigger than that and we deserve every right to be at the table as other people within your organization because we can bring some real value that's not just pigeon-told into coloring in yeah
0: yeah it's that bigger it's that bigger picture stuff of like i think it's the, 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 okay. pro- the problem i've got is the word design because as soon as you say design you just think something is designed you know it's something it's the way something looks and it's it's a it's a shift in that mindset of Actually, you're talking about more than that. You're talking about the process of, like, creative problem solving and coming to solutions and, and and cha- you know, meeting challenges together and working through them. That's the bigger picture of design, of which the aesthetic element of that is one part, but that's, it's only one part.
1: Yeah. I and suppose that's you know, where design thinking, what, why that kind of came into play, isn't it? It's, lately, it's,
0: yeah, it's still got design at the beginning of it, and I think that's, you know... It's just that, yeah,
1: it's a slight kind of stigma. We around, think, people.
0: We think, man. We don't just do.
1: <laughs> I don't know. What would you say, Matt? Yeah. What would you? your perceived value be of that?
2: I guess a lot of the time, I'm trying to think of past projects where I've, I've had like these types of issues. Um, I think in some regards, sometimes designers have sort of done it to themselves. And Pigeon held them into that place. Whereas if they're selling a piece of work in that they're not explicitly selling the value of design upfront. front. So for example, a lot of design studios will sell their work based on lots of slides of really pretty application designs and, and mm. pages and websites and things like that, which in my mind, and by the way, I've got my hands up. I've been guilty of this in the past. So um, it's the
0: output rather than the benefit of what you've done. Exactly. Like it's the, the, end, it's, yeah. it's the
2: art, artifact, right? And then it becomes very easy to, okay, well, you paint beautiful UIs. And that's, that's fundamentally what people see in their eyes. I think I've been quite fortunate to work on stuff where um, design has been more about, really exploring from a user point of view what users are trying to achieve and what the business is trying to achieve but at the same time very much had those kind of same conversations with people where it's like okay cool well now can we just make this look good I mean remember when we started bringing wireframing into stuff um a few years back um many years back now and you know again This is where the education isn't done. And it's normally a frustration on our side where we show people wireframes and they go, oh, but it's not going to look like that, is it?
0: Yeah. And it's
2: very easy at the time to go, oh, and just like idiots, what's wrong with them? And I think actually it means that I haven't done my job properly and I haven't explained properly why we're going through this process. And the time I do do that, then obviously you start to get the buy-in. But people are fundamentally scared of stuff they don't understand a lot of the time. And... And I think it's, it is about less being a rock star designer, like the Johnny Ive that comes in and designs. Number one, it's a lie, right? There's not one person that designs any of those massive products that you see. It's a team of people oh, that work well, together, right? So that's funny. Yeah, and it's please. not even just a team of designers because – I saw a really interesting documentary on like Ford Mustangs for example right so oh,
0: lovely car oh it anyway oh.
2: but but you look at like where they start with the concept design right and that would be your car designer which is like the mm. cream of designers and they sit in this lovely little design studio in corner office no oh, it's very nice and
0: glass walls
2: and there's a concept and that's the concept and the story that's sold in for the product right mm that product gets buy-in and then that goes through a round of different designs, which normally involve every aspect of the business from logistics to manufacture, to the engineers. And then right at the end of the process, there's like a part on the car that costs a dollar extra, right? To do it that way. Or do we save a dollar on a run of 50 million, you know, 10 million cars, which saves $10 million. And it's, it's really interesting. Um, once you get to the bottom of it, that you can't actually design in isolation. You can't just sketch out an amazing concept and not involve the rest of the business. And I think fundamentally, you know, again, hands up, that's where the arrogance of designers can sometimes come in. And I include myself in that as well, um, that we feel that we can come up with this great solution. But unless you get everybody involved, I really don't feel you can because it's not realistic it's not realistic yeah, yeah and that yeah. comes back to um, you know how are you going to sell it how are you going to market it yeah. how, are you going to, how are you going to fund it how are you going to track the metrics in it how are you going to gain revenue from it yeah you know it, 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 how's your people inside your business going to utilise it
0: yeah so if you if you know the value of design if you're on the same page as the pack how in the heel do you start selling it in So interesting, interesting topic. Number one, I would say, is stakeholder analysis. Those dang stakeholders are telling you to color stuff in. You need to. What's stakeholder analysis?
2: Explain stakeholder analysis to me, John.
0: Well, Matthew, it's basically working out who your stakeholders are and where they are on their journey to. Design enlightenment. Oh,
2: Halos nice. <laughs> hey, above the head. So again, just to kind of break it down, stakeholders. You mean like different people inside the business?
0: Stakeholders. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So different people, different people within the business um, who are who, who have influence. So you've got people of influence on your product, on your projects, on your whatever your service design, whatever you're doing. You know, so you'll always have different stakeholders. Those people who they may not be like sleeves rolled up working hard on the, on the projects, on the products, whatever, but they have an invested interest, whether that's like, you know, because they have to, or whether they are genuinely interested in it or whether
1: they're just or, out to, or signing it off as well, you know?
0: signing it off or just out to trip you up, whatever, you know, it's just like, it's, it's, there's all kinds of different stakeholders that you can get and it's an important thing before you can sell in the value of design it's important to know who those people are so i have a little list of stakeholder types um, oh, and this is, uh,
2: john's yeah. list of stakeholders, <laughs> stakeholders.
1: oh yeah (laughs) it's
0: a jingle for everything uh so different stakeholders that you can have here's just a few that we can talk through so champions we've got champions who are influential partners who can help drive scalable adoption of design so they are on your side right they are they see the value they're backing you right Challengers. so influential partners Who may be sceptical of your design type language? I hate it. Tricky ones, tricky ones. Uh, Sidekicks. So partner's willing to... Uh, side Not psychic. Oh, I got excited. Sidekicks. 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 (laughs) Sidekicks. S-I-D-E-K-I-C-K-S. Sidekicks. Partner's willing to experiment with something new and willing to forgive if the experiment does not go as planned. So, you know, they're not champions, but they're willing to give it a try. That is sidekicks for clarity
1: (laughs) (laughs) and who who else who else
0: John say no's so say no's people who just say no no (laughs)
1: whatever
2: they they have a campaign
0: they have a you know they have a perception of of design and what it should be and if you're pushing for this kind of wider umbrella of design thinking and design doing you know they're the ones who probably you know already think that they know what the process is and how you should do it, and, and are going to be extremely hard to so, so that's interesting, twist their arm.
2: Because right? that's obviously one that I think, whatever it is, if it's design or whatever you're doing, you're always going to come across people like that in business that mm. necessarily feel comfortable with the way things are and want to instinctively say no to a big change, which, you know, bringing a design led approach into the business mm. is a big change in mindset. How do you deal with the say no's?
0: How do you deal with them? You deal
1: with them? <laughs> well, I, I think um, you must I think change by its very nature is is something that everyone finds difficult, you know, and that you know, and anyone who's had any kind of like personal interruptions in their life can, I'm sure, uh, you know, adhere to that. Um, but in an organisation, it, it obviously, it's slightly different because there's obviously a lot more of an impact that can have can come with change, and and obviously that could be financial or, or you know. Um, to, to the company itself. So I think um, in terms of like getting on board those no-sayers, it, is, it does come down to like, you know, getting them, talking to them um, on a one-to-one level, I think. So not being afraid to go to them. Don't do it in a group scenario. Go and talk mm-hmm. to them, like interview them, really find out what their fears are and their pain points and why, you know, they're struggling with um, it being an issue. And I think by understanding where they're coming from on a, on a kind of personal level, it's much easier to to start to get them on board because you can mm. start to address some of those fears and concerns that they might have. Definitely don't do what I did
2: one time in a project, which is literally just attack them like a big bulldozer to the point where a product, <laughs> a product manager actually had to say, you're going to have to have a meeting with this guy because we need to move forward with this project. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh,
2: I think that's really good advice. I, I we well, don't it, want
1: to butt heads, do you? It's good to yeah. challenge,
2: but I think, like you say, I think a lot of the time people have problems and um, sometimes don't necessarily express them in that way. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, don't don't butt heads, and actually, they have a problem, and that's why they've come. But all they have a problem, but they might not want to talk to it or express it. So I think like the way you described it is is just perfect, and, and I've seen it work really well like that. Okay. Yeah,
1: because not everyone, not everyone, sorry, uh, but not not everyone obviously is is capable of um, uh, you know <laughs> delivering their what they truly what they truly mean or what they truly think. You know, they're not. That's they're not interesting. Yeah, that's in what I was going to
0: of- say. Is is that sometimes they might not. You know, you say potato, I say potato. Yeah. They might not be understanding. <laughs> you say potato? I say potato, yeah. <laughs> Give me some mashed Ta-ta-ta-sana, potato salad, <laughs> please.
2: <laughs>
1: I might start saying it like that. No, I like it.
0: <laughs> can we turn that off? Uh, <laughs> they may not be talking the same language as you. Um, there might just be something lost in translation. And I think that's part of getting to know your stakeholders, getting to know who your allies are. Who may be, you know, and maybe the only reason they're allies compared to a no-sayer or a challenger is because they understand what you're talking about. They understand the vocabulary of what you're talking about. And maybe those people who are more resistant just don't just yeah. don't get it. So uh-huh. the, the thing is on you, if you want to sell in design within your organization. You have to learn their language, and you have to speak in their language, and you have to make design a measurable thing. You have to think about the return on investment, and you have to think about how it affects things more than just "oh, do you like my design? Isn't it pretty?" You know, because if you don't do that, you are really devaluing design. Absolutely, mm-hmm.
2: I think. I think with the no says as well. It's like it, it's it's hard to ask for help sometimes. And, and that can be a barrier to getting in. And I think sometimes even if you go into, you know, if you work in a business where people are scared of this type of change or don't want to implement this type of stuff, you know, you can find smaller projects and then you can show the value because funnily enough, some of the people that have said no in the past, um, once they start to see the value it delivers and actually how it makes their life easier and how it can take them at sometimes out of isolation inside a company and show sure. their value in the wider area, that um it it really they become your biggest evangelists
1: yeah 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 definitely yeah, yeah those, those just, people who hate you yeah, kidding yeah exactly suddenly, and then like, all really of a
2: sudden absolute. they're like wow like this is this is, and they almost champion it themselves and i think that in itself can be a big catalyst to change when people start to see internally how mindsets can change and and how um results can change and how you can make design and i'm doing a dr evil at the moment design into something that can have a quantitative measurable kind of impact.
0: Exactly. So what are some techniques for talking their language? That's a great question, John. What are some techniques for talking their language and you know, so we've talked we've talked a little bit about what design is, you know, in in in, in a wider sense. We talked a little bit about who you've got to sell it to, you know, what their perceptions might be of design. And then, you know, it's interesting just to have a little think about how you can get people on your side who might be skeptical about design?
2: Skeptical. What are your top techniques for driving home design <laughs> inside the organisation? Yeah. How can
0: you how can you sell it in? How can you get people on board um, and get you know uh, physical, build that momentum? Physical.
1: I think um, some of that comes down. Obviously, you've got to try and you've got to try and sell that value, and haven't you? And um, the way people think about that can come from. You know, obviously there's the, like the one element we were talking about in terms of like convincing stakeholders, it's important. Understanding their needs, like the business value and all of that stuff. Um, really understanding what the customer needs are, which we've spoken about. But I think the, the majority of that comes in, in terms of the... i recap. I'm doing a recap. No, I'm going to bring it together. Okay. Um, so we've got the business, we've got the customer. But ultimately, like in terms of delivering that to a team, it, it's... The best way to do it is through storytelling, I think, and like really trying to build like a narrative around it that people can understand. And it's the same in research. It's like if someone goes away and does a bunch of research, data, data, data. Um, it's not. It's not about coming back with like a giant report of research because that is just like. That's, that sometimes can be the worst thing you can do that's the worst yeah. thing that you can oh, do and yeah. it's not and it isn't yeah and you've got the qualitative and the quantitative data in there and it's all meaningful all and all that all the data there is all the types um, of data <laughs> but trying to bring that back and trying to sell that in is like near impossible so t- in order to do that you have to try and um, be able to pitch it in a way that's relatable and and storytelling off, often is the best way to do that because yeah. people, if you make it relatable to them, then they can understand it and you make it relatable to the business. So Humans love stories as well, don't they?
2: Yeah. I was, was going to say back to what John was saying earlier. I think, like, especially if you're in a designer in the business, you, you, you kind of have to learn that. Just doing a great design isn't isn't going to be enough, like you were saying before, you know, and and it's quite funny how you said it as well, that, you know, you show the design. Look at my design. And that is like every designer. You show your design and then you're like, oh, my God, please like it. Please. (laughs) Please like (laughs) it. I put so much work into it. And then obviously what will happen is you'll get feedback about the one thing that's wrong and no mention of the stuff that's right. Designers basically just have to learn how to you know, interact with other people, collaborate in a way that they can give it back in the form of a narrative and a story that matters to them and not just to what the designer wants to see. Because it's about how do you make it matter to that person in, you know, a different product team that isn't really, you know, involved in this? Or how do you make it matter to the people in marketing and brand? Or how do you make it matter to the C-suite? You know, and, and I think when you can show that value and position it in a way that it becomes engaging and valuable, then other people will pick it up and champion it and they'll tell the same story. You know, that's all it is. A big group of people is yeah. all just telling stories to each other.
0: Exactly. Yeah. We, we are Definitely. hardwired since caveman days, uh, you know, to sit around campfires and tell stories to each other. It's how we learn. You know, if you think about when you're a kid, every single night, you know, you get stories read to you. You, know, you you people just respond to that and and you need to build a story around the design and and as we design with our design led approach we build artifacts don't we of which you know the the actual kind of shiny design bit is one artifact but the other artifacts are you know stuff like the personas that you build up and the and the insights that you build up and how you weave that narrative could make or break whether you get design buy in from the wider you know stakeholder team and organization as a whole and whether you can transform it into a designer business or not
2: mm. and i think with us as well like obviously we focus a lot on purpose and that is a great way of bringing narrative back in because yeah. you can align around a purpose and you can weave those stories into that then obviously that just again it's kind of reinforcing what you're trying to do and making sure everybody's aligned behind it which you should have in the beginning
0: Exactly, I
2: concur. I concur, and I think. Uh, what about validating and sharing often? That's so, something that needs to come into. Yeah. Talked about that a lot.
0: I think the validation <laughs> side of things, you know, you can't go into that like design silo and, and the, the kind of big reveal which is like what what's we were it talking about what's
2: it like in
0: about. there Dom? check it out. <laughs> Dom, Dom lives in the silo Dom doesn't no. live in the silo Dom no. is so anti-silo he would love to very delay <laughs> uh, but it's that, is that it goes, give me a room and <laughs> leave <me alone>. happening <laughs> yeah. so it goes back to what we were saying about that kind of um, big reveal moment of oh do you like my design? Yeah. it's like that insinuates that you've been in a silo doing your design thing right exactly, and right. then you've you've revealed it and you know you are looking it, it's almost like they've that those people haven't gone on that journey with you yeah. so you have to take those people on the journey and, and the way to do that is show what you're working on show the importance of it show the measurable benefits where you can on you know the bottom line Understand with empathy, you know, why it might matter to other people within the business that aren't so wrapped up in the design or maybe don't understand so much about the design, why it's important for them that it needs to go out the door by this time and, and maybe, you know, they don't have all the time in the world to do the collaborative design stuff and users and what compromises can you make as well? Oh,
2: that's the worst one. That's like my biggest bugbear is everyone wants to be user-focused and then no one wants to talk to user. The number of companies I speak to, <laughs> yeah. oh, we want to be user-led. Um, uh, you know, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's test some stuff on some users. Oh, we can't yeah. talk to. Whoa, we're a big B two B because we can't yeah. talk to our users about this. All, they all, no, they might not like it. And and the worst thing about that is, you know, John was just talking about bringing people along the journey. Right, the biggest weapon that you have in your arsenal is your customers' opinions. So yeah. if you can test stuff and you can elicit feedback and then use that as part of your narrative to send them back into the business. Nothing
1: is going to move you in that direction quicker. Oh my God, it's so, so important. I find it so bizarre, though, that companies don't do that. You know, we've come in, you know, we've worked with a few as well that have said that exact same thing, like, mm -hmm. oh, no, you can't talk to them. And you can't even talk to people who are like your target audience either.
0: Are they afraid it's going to derail their, you know, their hard work? Are they too precious over it? And I think this, you know, don't be precious over the design. Don't be precious over what you're doing. Like, at the end of the day, if those people don't like it and people aren't going to buy it... You it's know, probably good to find out early, right? Yeah, yeah. it's good to
1: buy. <laughs> <laughs> don't be segue, basically.
0: Talking about it's good to know, right? It's good to know. Uh, so don't be precious. As um, as as a as a advocate of design, whether you're a designer, whether you're a product manager, whether you're this, whether you're that, and you believe that design has a value, like, don't hold on to it yourself. Like, share the load. Like, mm. make sure that there's some group accountability if you can convert some of those stakeholders into advocates of your process into advocates of what you what, you know the way that you want to do things then get them to share some of that load and get behind you you know and, and the way that you do like, like like we say is to is to show them the value of what you're doing tell them tell that story get that shared vision uh, you know nailed yeah don't be a design arsehole fundamentally
2: don't be an asshole. Don't no, no. be an asshole. But, but, uh, like, it sounds silly, but like, don't be a design asshole. Like, and and that could go for any profession. But don't, you know, don't stick yourself in that silo. Don't make it all about you doing it and saving it. If you bring people along on the journey and you collaborate, bring people together, empower them through the different techniques that you have in your tool belt, you're going to end up with better products. You're going to end up with a much easier process of getting it through and everybody's going to be happier from the customer to your team to your suite. Yeah.
1: I love it and guys I've got some mind-blowing stats about design thinking oh, oh he's got a stat dumb stats now there is a lot here but I'm just going to read uh, a few it as all. opposed to all the stats don't. can you wrap them um, can I wrap can the wrap stats? them up because there's there's 15 <laughs> mind-blowing stats here but I was thought perhaps I'd just read a few can Not wrap them in wrap, I don't no, want to no, blind no, no, I don't no. want to b- like wrap it
2: yeah like, like Dr.
0: Dre oh what like actual rap? <laughs> like there was a design team <laughs>
1: Please, <laughs> <laughs> oh god I don't think I'll be able to do it just as John's the rapper here <laughs> you wrap them up they're not my stats <laughs>
2: once upon a time about 10% ago
0: yeah <laughs> oh, that
1: would be amazing I wish I wish I could, but I won't. I'll I'll just read them if that's all right with you guys. Design-led firms consciously put the customer first. With forty percent, uh, sorry, actually forty-six percent of design leaders citing an emotional bond with customers as a defining characteristic of an advanced design practice. So that's interesting. That's sort of saying that almost fifty percent <laughs> of companies are actually taking uh, customer research on board and and their customers. We're not actually, laughing at you, stats. Oh. What are you laughing at, my? We're laughing at your stats. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, what hey, leave my just, stats alone. It's just, so. it's just jargon. <laughs> it's not jargon. I'm d- that's why he was explaining. Tell it. Tell me a story. He's say if we if we're saying that nearly fifty percent there of design-led companies are actually seeing that there is a. Benefit from including the customers. That's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, it's a really good thing.
1: Well, I think that's a pretty. I think that's a pretty good start. I mean, how many of these are actually real? Who knows? But we're <laughs> going to read them. <laughs> how many <laughs> more we
0: got? To go we got go? go? fourteen more to go.
1: Seventy-one <laughs> percent of organisations that practice design thinking report that it improved their working culture on a team level.
2: You see that? That is a biggie. Where does that, that come from?
1: Yeah. So this it's is more tangible than the first one. So yeah. This is by Adobe. Um, this, it's, it's, it's actually interesting um, you know just from reading through it just to see uh, cool drop us another stat
0: we'll be the judge <laughs>
1: <laughs> 50% of design that companies report more loyal customers as a benefit to having advanced design practices Right. Mm-hmm. I've got a stat for you as so well
2: actually go, go
1: on give me, give me a stat
2: 3 out of 3 direct as a pack Guarantee you that if you introduce design-led thinking into your business, it's going to be unimaginably,
0: unimaginably great. I've got a stat. Go on, seventy-four <laughs> percent of Dom's
1: stats—absolute <laughs> <are> gold. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all right. I've got a bit of a percentage now. I've got a bit of leeway. you have got a twenty-six percent margin. This is what happens when you try and come up with stats whilst recording on the fly. Well, oh, that's the, cool. On-the-fly
0: right. stats. That's all
1: right. I, to
0: be honest, man, I think... I think we're, we're done. I think we're done. I think, the, I, think yeah, we're done. I think the stats are good. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the stats. Leave my stats <laughs> alone. Leave my stats alone. I think maybe just maybe... Um, you know, just pick out the best ones.
1: <laughs> I would have done Next if I'd I would have done if I'd had a bit more time. They were on the fly stats. But they were very, I mean, they we were definitely very good. didn't
0: look at each other and then like nearly
1: just fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so guys but This is the thing, they don't make them they don't make when people put stats out, they could they could word them in a slightly better way, couldn't they? Dom, drop a bomb and I- tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> why why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? why?
0: so hopefully we've given you a few ideas about how you can make your business a design led business how you can sell it in to the internal uh, you know stakeholders and how you can use all kinds of different tools in your arsenal at the end of the day Design is bigger than colouring in. That's what we're saying. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and and it it can just deliver so much value to your business as a whole, like mm -hmm. really holistically. It's not only going to make better products and services for your customers, it's going to make your team more collaborative. It's going to help people feel empowered and engaged, which is going to give them safe spaces to come up with the new ideas that hopefully are going to change the world. Yeah, And fundamentally, if you really care about that side of thing, which I'm sure most people do in businesses, it should, in theory, increase the amount of money you're making and give you that massive competitive advantage that you're looking for.
0: Yes, 100%. I can uh,
1: do it do it. Do it.
2: <laughs> Guys, I thoroughly enjoyed that chat.
1: I, I did too. I thought it was great. Even the stats, I must admit, I thought that was the best bit. That was the I best one stats.
2: <laughs> I, I didn't hear any stats in this recording. Oh, I wonder if they're on the cutting roof.
0: <laughs> Leave my stats in. <laughs> cool. I want some music as well, please. <laughs> but um
2: see what I can do. But yeah. I can't wait till it's next week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that just leaves to say. Uh see you next tuesday guys see you next tuesday
1: Tuesday. thanks for listening